Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into the now we have liftoff New York Jets podcast. I'm your host, John June. And, of course, I'm here with my guy, Frank Jim Piccolo. And we are discussing a New York Jets win for the fourth time this season. Frank, how we doing, brother? Bro, I'm pretty amped up. I was actually at this game, so it made it that much more sweet, bro, to actually be present for a Jets win. I was super hyped. Yeah, man, I, I've been meaning to ask you, brother, like, this game was nuts. I, I mean you know, 46, 47 total points in this game, a 26-21 victory uh, for the Jets. Uh, it was, you know, a close game pretty much all throughout, all the way to the final minutes, as you would expect with these two evenly matched teams here. But, Frank, what was the energy like? Because there was a lot of big plays in this game, uh, mainly for the Jets. So what what did that place feel like, man, on, on Sunday? Man, that stadium was rocking like I haven't seen it rock like that, or at least games that I've been at in a long time. Like, especially that ridiculous touchdown run by Zach Wilson. Like, bro, that was just – that stadium was legit. Like, it was absolutely legit. Like, I, I yeah, don't I mean, have words, like, to really describe. Like, as I was watching it, because I was, was kind of in, like – a like the, I don't know, like the three-yard line on the southwest corner. And he, like, at first he rolled out to our sideline from the 50 and then to the opposite side. So I could see that, like, that juke that he made on this, like he was going out of bounds and kind of juke back in, um, which was kind of it – was, it was dope. Like, that was – I don't think I've ever seen a Jets quarterback run like that. That was just dope. Yeah, I mean, that was a franchise record. This is the longest run. Uh, I think the longest run by a Jets quarterback um, in in franchise history, and he broke a franchise record for most rushing yards 
uh, in a game by a quarterback. But also there was the big kickoff return for a touchdown there too by Braxton Berrios. I mean, watching on TV like that, it sounded like the stadium went berserk when that happened. As soon as you you watch him hit the crease and he gets out of the open field, it's like you could just hear this uproar from the stadium. Yeah, man, because, you know, after that first touchdown, right, the whole the whole stadium kind of got a little bit deflated after James Robinson kind of just like ran the ball down our throats a little bit. And and then that ensuing kickoff, like it wasn't even close. Like that that crease was that was wide open. And then the whole stadium, the whole stadium erupted. I just think I think a lot has to do with that Braxton Barrios is like a fan favorite. And, you know, similar to obviously not to the extent like Wayne Corbett was, but he is a fan favorite, kind of probably similar to Danny Woodhead when Danny Woodhead was here. And the, the stadium just went buku crazy. Yeah, I mean, Braxton Barrios has been balling. I mean, so like every week he makes a play that contributes to, you know, this football team having some semblance of success. Um, so it's it's been really good. But like we talked about, Zach Wilson, the 91 rushing yards, uh, which was a career day for him. He looked much more comfortable again, um, you know, had, um, you know, I think of, was it 100 and – 102 passing yards, one passing touchdown. Uh, so it was not a very productive day throwing the football. But what you didn't see was you didn't see any turnovers by Zach Wilson, right? Um, you didn't have any situations where, um, you know, you felt like he didn't have control of the offense, right? Like he had, uh, you know, the completion percentage, 14 of 22, uh, efficiency wasn't all that f- fantastic from a yards per attempt perspective, right? But just the fact that he was he played clean, solid football within the offense, and you just felt like, you know, you didn't feel like at any moment that he wasn't in control of the situation. No, even even like even he had three passes that could have been intercepted, but none of them were his fault. Like. Tyler Croft has got to make that. He's got to make that catch. The but, first one that the Jacksonville challenged definitely looks like one where you're like Zach, what what are you doing with that ball? <laughs> like, <laughs> can't put that there on the sideline like that. No, that and at first glance, I thought that was intercepted. But you kind of with the at least I don't know what the replays they showed at home, but they showed a replay at the stadium where you could see that he it was clearly trapped. Yeah, he, he he trapped it for sure. I mean, also the intended receiver on that on that play was Denzel Mims, so it could be fair to blame it on, on Mims as well. Maybe we don't know. Uh, but the the uh, the other um, you know, like you said, the other interception, almost interception, where this defensive lineman is literally standing up, <laughs> and Zach Wilson just pegs him in the ball. <laughs> pegs him in the head with the ball like that just the the amount of unlucky you have to be for that to happen is just absurd i feel like he's had a lot of that this year like there's been a lot of unlucky moments for this kid right and i think it's you know it starts with the unfortunate passing of coach coach nap you know like sometimes i wonder what would have been like if he had coach nap for the whole entire year 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely would have been um, you definitely early on in the year. You could have, you could have seen that helping, right? Like because we we've seen him be more comfortable as the year progresses. We've seen Michael Lafleur get more comfortable as the years progressed. I mean, it's got to the point with Lafleur, right, where like I'm kind of nervous now. Like, well, what if what if Lafleur leaves? You know, like what if he does get this this new this new job and um <laughs> my guy frank here is typing in the the private chat then we'll just hire looks like john beck is, it could be our new oc uh that would be some dangerous territory that i feel like we would be walking in how awesome well that would be pretty funny though I don't know how awesome it would be, but it'd be pretty funny i don't know how uh, versed he is in the shanahan offense well, I think he actually did play. He played in that system. Uh, he was he was with Washington there when I think when uh, with when RG three was there and Kyle Shanahan was was the OC there. Uh, so I think he came up in this offense. Actually, um, it's just it would. Here's the way it 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 would it could go one of two ways where it's just it it's downhill and it does not work at all. Um, or it could just be like this home run where he really unlock is able to unlock what Zach Wilson does best. Um, that that'd be an inter- that would be an interesting scenario for sure. He can't be worse than some of the OCs that we've had, though. So when you bring up the other OCs that we've had, is it fair to say that Michael Floor is the best Jets OC that there's been? Uh, Besides, I forget who the OC when Parcells was the head coach, but that's the only comparable, right? I think I think it might have been Paul Hackett, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I know Paul Hackett was the OC at one time, but that might have been under Herm. Or no, no, uh, 1998. I think it was Charlie Weiss. Uh, Charlie Weiss was the o, was the OC in '98. Yes. Yeah. So I think Charlie Weiss at at this at present day is probably the best OC that we've had. But you know, if Michael Lafleur still goes on this trajectory, and you know Zach Wilson stays healthy, Elijah Moore stays healthy, um, Corey Davis stays healthy, and whatever the Jets do in free agency and the rookie draft, you know Michael Lafleur is probably right there. But you know, being the best offensive coordinator since 1998, you know, that's a long time ago. Definitely better than Shoddy, and Shoddy was probably the, the best since Weiss. Yeah, I mean, just in recent years, I mean, if we're going within the last 10 to 12 years, the ones that stick out the most, Shoddy, uh, Chan Gailey had that really good year in, in 2015. Uh, so those two probably stick out the most. But LaFleur is what, what he's shown – which no OC for the Jets has shown in, in quite some time is he's not afraid uh, to be unconventional, right? He, you know, and I think that a lot of times that's what your offense, you're, an OC needs to remember that a job of the job for your offense is to score points, you know, retain, move yards, move the ball, gain yards, and score points. Right. That's the objective that you have on every Sunday where it feels like some OCs, you know, Adam Gase and uh, Brian Schottenheimer, even sometimes not, he, he had his moments. Um, but it feels like a lot of times they're just trying to run their offense. 
And it's like, you have to get a little unconventional. You have to think outside of the box. You have to think about the Jimmy, the Jimmys and Joes as opposed to the X's and the O's, right? Like, you know, who are, who are your stud players? Like who needs to get the football? You know, Braxton Berrios is a guy that's been making plays. Like let's, let's get him more involved in the offense. Let's design plays for him specifically. Right. Like, you know, the fact that the Jets had a play stolen from them by another football team, like that is, that shows growth as a jet, as a Jets. It's crazy, right? Like the, the, the uh, Jamison Crowder to Braxton Berrios hook and ladder on third and 15, the Dallas Cowboys ran it on Sunday night football uh, with Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson. So like, or they tried to run it at least, right? So like the fact that the Jets are getting <laughs> the Jets are getting copied, like their plays are getting stolen by other teams, has got to say that they're doing something something right. Yeah, everyone knows this is a copycat league, but the Jets haven't had anything taken from them. Maybe maybe you got to go back to the Rex days when they use like to use your boy um, all around the field, Brad Smith, baby. Yeah. But other than that, you know, you don't see it. Like, and I think the addition of John Beck is helping LaFleur, right? It's helping Zach Wilson. Now you don't have to have LaFleur sitting down with Zach Wilson, you know, talking about, you know, what Zach sees, what the defense is trying to do to him. You know, you could have John Beck do that while LaFleur can try to figure out how he's going to attack the overall defense with the overall weapons at his disposal, you know, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, we could go on and on with the list, even Braxton Berrios. You know, I, I just think it's more healthy for the offense to run the way that we've been running since we brought in John Beck than before the bye week. No, most definitely. Um, I mean, the growth from Michael Floor has been awesome, but like you said, I think that that's been – effort made by the entire staff, right? From Sala to recognize, hey, John Beck can add some value to our coaching staff, bringing him in for John Beck to be able to know what his role is, to be there as, you know, Zach's sounding board, to, you know, work with him to make sure that he's okay and he's comfortable and he knows what his job is. And then for Mike LaFleur to, you know, be the mad scientist up there in the booth, uh, right, like figuring out what to, what what things he wants to try to do to attack the defenses in between possessions. I think those are all very very good points, Frank. So, um, one of the guys that I know you've you've fallen more in love with as time has passed by. I mean, I've been in love with him for a minute here. So uh, even going back to pre-draft, and that's that's our guy here, Michael Carter. First, Michael Carter. Uh, the running back, Michael Carter, um, had his first 100-yard yard day of the season, 16 carries, 118 rushing yards. Didn't get a touchdown there, but he uh, has shown what had, we've pretty much known about him all year, which is this guy is going to make plays. He's going to force some missed tackles there. He's going to uh, get out in space and, and uh, make defenders miss. I mean – Average 7.3 yards per carry there on Sunday against Jacksonville. Uh, you know, PFF dropped a stat um, earlier today. He's third in the NFL amongst running backs and forced missed tackles per rush attempt. 
at 26%. Uh, he's forcing a missed tackle on 26% of his rush attempts. Um, that's a really good number, uh, good enough for third in the league behind running backs, uh, Javante Williams, who was his teammate, and, and Nick Chubb, uh, who have, we know is one of the best running backs in the league. So uh, I really have been excited about what Michael Carter has been able to do. Um, I just would like to be, I would like to see him, Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson all on the field playing, playing good football at the same time. It's been the problem with this team in general, man. Like Becton gets hurt week one, then fans miss some time. Moses has been dealing with injuries all year. Now, now, Connor McGovern's on IR, so we're going to have to see Dan Feeney as center for the last two games. Like, I don't know. It's just really – it's as giddy as I was after this game, and I was talking to some fans in the stadium that were rooting for the – at the game rooting for the Jets to lose so you could get it – so they could get the better pick. I just think where the Jets are, they, they need to learn how to win and they le- need to learn how not to lose. And I thought that that was important. But like what you were saying, they, they need to figure a way to keep this team more healthy than they did this year. Because there's been a lot of soft tissue injuries uh, this year with a lot of guys. Yeah, they've, they've suffered a bunch of different injuries, but I think it's, you know, again, it's bad luck, man. When it rains, it pours. I mean, if it's not an injury, it's COVID. Um, if it's, you know, if if this guy is not out, this other guy is out, right? Like, it's just been a lot of bad luck, and you hope that next year, you know, the talent level could be – they could add some actual talent uh, to, to, you know, bolster the talent level of this overall team here. Uh, as you know, Seattle lost, so they, they've got another uh, you know p- opportunity here to have two picks in the top six or seven here uh, of the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, so, you know, definitely hoping that that they can not just add depth, but use these picks at the top of the the top of the draft to bolster the overall talent level of this roster because. Uh, you know, we we talked about this a little bit off air, but feeling like Joe Douglas having another year with this coaching staff and the scouting department having another year with this coaching staff, being able to know what types of players that they're looking for can definitely help. Because, I mean, the 2020 class wasn't as wasn't that great, but, you you know, obviously they're dealing with a different coaching staff there. But the 2021 class through 14 weeks or 16 weeks, rather, looks like a home run, um, you know, outside of obviously the most important per- person in that draft class and Zach Wilson, right? Like, you know, you, the fact that you are able to get your starting left guard, right, in Elijah Vera Tucker, you're, you're able to get a starting uh, playmaking receiver in Elijah Moore in the second round. You're able to get a starting running back um, in Michael Carter, a three-down running back in Michael Carter. The fact that you're able to get a starting nickel in Michael Carter the second, the fact that you can get a starting corner in Brandon Nichols in the sixth, the fact that you can get a, a player with some versatility here, uh, Jason Pinnock, who you know you draft him as a corner, you know you have to end up having to flip him to safety uh, in the fifth round, and, and and you know he he's able to provide some some value for you there, and then we you know we we've seen the linebackers and Hamza Nasruddin and Jamie and Sherwood 
both missed some time with injuries, but, you know, there's still a chance that one of those guys can become players, right? So, you know, there's there's a light here at the end of this tunnel where you feel really good. And again, it's going to come down to can Zach Wilson, you know, it like we said, he, maybe he's not going to be in that top seven quarterbacks in the NFL, but maybe he can be amongst the Jimmy Garoppolo's or the Kirk Cousins or the Derek Carr's. Uh, where if you put enough talent around him, he can he can lead it to a playoff run or you know get hot and and potentially you know win a Super Bowl or an MVP. I think I think that's definitely in the range of outcomes for for Zach Wilson and for this team going forward. Yeah, and like we were talking off air, like you're starting to see spurts now of what Zach's capable of, right? And and when we talk. That's what we want to see. We wanted to see, as the season was coming to an end, enough things where you sit down after the season and be like, okay, I I feel confident with this kid going forward. And I think what's important to remember is Salah said it at when they selected Zach, that Zach's not going to have to lift this team up, that the team's going to lift, lift Zach up. And, I think having that type of mantra as an organization is important. I, I I kind of feel like the quarterbacks that we have drafted before Zach, and I'm talking about Mark Sanchez and Sam Darnold specifically, that they were brought in to be the saviors of this franchise. And instead of having a team and developing – a culture and an identity. We kind of just hope that these guys would take these players to the next level, you know. And I and I know people are going to say that our identity what with Mark was you know gr- ground and pound. But once once all those guys left and they put those reins into Mark's hands, you know, I'm talking about Derek mate that Derek Mason year, that Santonio Holmes year, like it just just fell apart like pixie dust. You know, he he wasn't he wasn't the quarterback that was going to elevate the people around him. And I feel like with Zach, it's in the range of outcomes in my opinion that in the early years of his career, if you put good talent around him, maybe by year 6 and year 6 and 7, he gets to that point. Like I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but is it possible where he could have a career like Eli Eli Manning, I think obviously they're different quarterbacks and they play the game differently, but I I think it's possible for him to have a similar type of career. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely – I mean, Eli Manning, a lot of his success is in the postseason. I mean, his regular season numbers – I'll take two Super Bowl wins right now. Two Super Bowl wins, 100%, I would take it. But, uh, you know, from a season perspective, right, like, I mean, again, like – uh you know, Matt Ryan isn't talked about as one of the, the five, you know, best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't think he's ever really been in that conversation. But Matt Ryan's a guy that's won an MVP. Matt Ryan's a guy that's been to a Super Bowl, right? And I think if you can have a year or two like Matt Ryan had, like those upper echelon years where you're, you play good enough to win an MVP or, or make it to a Super Bowl, I think that's good. I think that that's what you would want, right? Like we, we get so enamored with having this star and obviously you want a star at the quarterback position. That's what you want. You want, you want to be able to get the Joe Burrows or be able to get the Justin Herberts, but like, 
Sometimes you get the Tua Tungavailoa and Tua, you know, I'm not a, I was not a fan of Tua coming in the year, but you watch Tua play football and Tua's progressing every week. He gets better. He has command and control of that offense. And if you, you know, watch Tua yesterday against the the New Orleans Saints and how he operated that offense, you would feel so fortunate as a Jet fan to for Zach Wilson to be able to, to operate his offense with the same level of, of mastery that you watched Tua do it on Monday night. And when you talk about their roster though, John, there's you know, there's one thing that Miami has that we don't really have, and that's a competent tight end. Yeah, I think you know, I think we sorely missed that, right? Like you 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 go back to Zach Wilson's BYU film, you could see how often he was throwing to the middle of the field, throwing to two tight ends. Um, you could see how often he targets those positions now. We know that that's one of those things in this offense that's uh, going to be really, you know, it's going to be a position in this offense that's utilized and it's counted on. And so I think that, you know, one of the things that, you know, you and I have talked about, um, and if people listen to me on Fantasy Football Diagnostics, they know I'm a huge Mike Kosecki fan. I know you've been talking ad nauseum about Mike Kosecki, how we have to target him in free agency. I am 100% on board with that. Mike Kosecki is one of the most athletic tight ends in football. He's still in the first year of his of his rookie con- – or not, not the first year. He's still in his first uh, contract in the NFL on his rookie year, on his rookie deal. Um, so the Jets could have an opportunity next year to potentially uh, poach him away from you know from the Miami Dolphins a division rival that's like that's that's like a a really nice um you know swing right there where you're able to get stronger while also making your division rival weaker there i think Kaseki would be a a big time fit uh in this in this you know Shanahan's type offense but you know from a, a big weapon big time weapon for Michael LaFleur Oh, big time. And I'm not saying he's as good as Kelsey, but he can play that type of Kelsey Kelsey role. Or, he's like Kyle Pitts. Yeah, exactly. Like he can't he can't block that well, but we don't need him to block. Maybe maybe we don't trade Denzel Mims or release Denzel Mims and we just make him like an inline blocker. Yeah, I'm completely fine with just like having a trio of of Gasecki. Croft and Trevon Wesco. Like I'm completely fine with that being like my tight end group. <laughs> and who knows, maybe they'll go out and actually get a fullback next year. Well, that uh, what's his name? Bowden that we picked up a couple weeks ago. Yeah. He's been playing. He's, he's not bad. He's not bad, no. bro. Not bad and he flexed the other day. His biceps are ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay, I never thought we would get to this point of the show. Well, well we we did, but, but we are we're here. We it took us sixteen weeks, but we're but we're here. Um, <laughs> so defensively, I mean, this defense it was a, a solid performance per se, right? You're playing against Jacksonville, so you take it you you take it with a grain of salt. Um, you know they. Still didn't do a great job stopping the run. It seemed like James Robinson was going to be able to do whatever he wanted until he tore his Achilles. Um, Dari Gumbawale uh, came in and, and had a decent day still. Um, Bryce Hall and, and Brandon Echols continued to, to you know play solid football on the outside. 
Um, Jason Pinnock, I know you you were really high on his performance and, and what you saw. Like, what was it specifically about Pinnock that that stood out to you uh, watching watching the game on Sunday, Frank? His hips, the way the way he moves in and out of his out of the breaks that the wide receiver made. Like you could tell he's not a natural safety yet based on, you know, what, how, how they were targeting him. But when the receiver would do a double or triple move, like he didn't, he didn't look like he was out of place. Like he didn't look like the other safeties that we have brought in this year because of so many guys being out. Like he looked very fluid. You could tell why the Jets brought him in. You know, and maybe this was on their mind that he had this type of versatility, which Salah likes in his defense. Uh, I don't know offhand what his three cone was, but I'm willing to bet that it was pretty solid. Yeah, Pinnock is definitely an interesting prospect, right? I mean, he was a a big big corner, uh, six foot two oh five, so. We thought that he really would fit this, um, this you know Seattle type defense really well in terms of his, you know his length and his his physicality. Uh, you know, recent weeks it seems like the Jets have been using him as a as a safety. Um, you know, I didn't really have, you know, I'm not watching the All Twenty Two every week or anything like that, so I wasn't, you know, and he hasn't been playing a ton of snaps. But when when he's been in. Uh, it seemed like he was playing safety. Uh, pretty much has been confirmed with, uh, you know, the, they were talking about it on the broadcast. I know you, you obviously didn't hear that, Frank, but on the broadcast they talked about how he's been – they moved him to safety essentially four or five weeks ago with all the injuries that they've had, and he's been practicing there, and, you know, now he gets his his first start. So, uh, and, he you know, he played well, uh, like you said, you could tell he, you know, he's he's new to the safety position, but he's he's he doesn't look uncomfortable playing there, right? Like he looks comfortable coming down, playing in the slot, being in the box, being physical in the run game, um, and you know, like we've talked about before, and like you know, it's been reported, you know, not even reported, just even blatantly said uh, by Jeff Ulbrich and Robert Sala, like the, the key to this defense is having a safety back there. A Jimmy Ward type or Lamarcus Joyner, who's got that ability to come to be a. They are a safety. They play safety, but they've got the ability to come down in the box, be a nickel corner, cut match up with the receivers man to man. And if Jason Pinnock can fill that role, then I I think that <laughs> I mean if you tell me that if with three picks in this in this secondary or three picks. Uh, in this year, in the 21-21 class, that with a fifth-round pick, two fifth-round picks and a sixth-round pick, that you could tell me you walked out of here with your your starting right corner or your starting field corner, your starting nickel corner, and a, and a potentially a starting safety uh, to add on to a fifth-round corner that you that that you're starting for you last year. Like this really is building a secondary in the Seattle mold. Yeah, and maybe this is why you know we were all killing. JD and Salah for not bringing in a veteran corner, but tell you the truth, the the defensive backs really haven't been the problem this year. You know, you, obviously you got to take into account that May we lost May and Joiner, who are probably 
would have been our best defensive backs minus Bryce Hall. But if those guys stay healthy, this is probably a, a really solid defensive backfield. You know, and I think going forward, they, they're really going to need to hammer home that that middle of the defense with a linebacker. They're going to have to find a good balance of strength and speed at those uh, the Will and Sam spots. Yeah, uh, dude, and I'm like, I'm looking, you know, doing some some research here on Jason Pinnock while, while we sit here, and I found an article uh, on Gangrene Nation um, by Bent. Um, so appreciate the work here, Bent. But has some information about his, you know, his pro day, like you were asking. You know, three cone, a really good three cone time is something like. Um, you know, six six, you know, six, you know, six three for DBs. Uh, he ran a six nine, which is not terrible. Um, it's it's not great, but you know, not it's kind of what you would expect from like a big corner like Jason Pinnock, you know, six foot two fifteen. Um, but you know, was a sub four, sub four five in the 40. He's got great explosiveness numbers, 39 and a half inch vert, 128 inch broad jump, um, had a four one in the short shuttle. Uh, so, you know, shows some good explosiveness. But one of the other things that it talks about here um, is that his coverage skills in the slot were pretty good. And, you know, he's got limited action in the slot. When he played in the slot, he, yeah, his coverage was actually pretty good. So now my brain is going here about Pinnock in the safety role and his ability to come down and play receivers. Like, he could be a guy that even you match him up on a tight end every now and then, right? Like, when you play those those you know, elite tight ends in the NFL, like the Travis Kelsey's or the, or the Darren Waller's, the Mike Kosecki's that maybe he gives you a chance playing against those guys. Yeah. Well, hopefully he doesn't have to play against one of those guys, except for in practice going forward, but. Got to play against one this week in Gronk. So. Yeah. And we're going to get it. And hopefully we get a you know a little glimpse of how he does going forward against against Gronk. You know, you got Gronk and you got probably the the second best quarterback to ever to ever do it. So, oh, here we go. We'll we'll save that for another 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 show uh, or maybe segment of the show here. Uh, but is there anything else? I mean, I know we you know you talked to you're talking about linebacker and how they. They've got to address that position at some point in the future. Like, I, like I know Quincy Williams is great. He's been great. I, I feel like he's more of like the Dre Greenlaw or the Quan Alexander of this defense, where they still don't have their Fred Warner. Um, you know, because Quincy Williams again, run hit like he's been awesome, but he still hasn't shown a, a great ability to play in space and cover running backs out of the backfield. And so I think that they still need that guy, uh, that run chase linebacker. Um, you know who is going to basically, again, be your Fred Warner. So, uh, CJ Mosley, you've been awesome. Um, but I, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's almost time for you to, uh, to give it up, brother. Um, anything else you want to cover defensively, Frank? No, you know, it was what the, it was nothing spectacular by the defense. You had a couple of good individual performances. Bryce Hall had a good game again. I feel like we say that every week. But uh, which we might not see him this week because he is on the COVID list. But it looks like the NFL is going to adopt a new CDC guideline 
of five days. So we we might see him. We might not. I, I don't know what's going on with that yet. Yeah, that'll that'll definitely be uh, be tough there. Um, all right. Well, that segment is done with, and so therefore we will get to our next segment where we break down the Jets' upcoming game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And before we break it down, we got to pay some bills. So Frank. Why don't you let the people know where this next segment is brought to to them by? Hello, good people. This segment, as always, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Hey, football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point's scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bet. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. With promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer, Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff there. And as my lovely co-host here said, this line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to the to MetLife Stadium to t- take on the New York Jets is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, where the Jets are 12.5-point underdogs at home uh, against the Super Bowl defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and our old friend Tom Brady, um, the GOAT. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to say it. Uh, Frank is, you know, doesn't want to admit it. I under- understandably so, but I, I got to give credit where credit is due, especially when he doesn't wear the colors anymore. So uh, 45 and a half point total here. I don't think the Jets can cover this. Um the uh, Tampa Bay is a little bit undermanned in terms of weapons. Uh, Antonio Brown's still there. You got a good old friend, Le'Veon Bell, there as well. Um, we can't stop the run. Ronald Jones, probably going to have himself a day. <clears throat> um, probably going offensively. Probably hoping for no, uh, like a clean day from Zach Wilson. Um, Tampa Bay has been much better defensively. They did lose their pass rusher, Shaq Barrett. I still think that they can give us some trouble here. So all of this being said, again, I will take the Tampa Bay Bucks to cover, uh, and I think I'm going to take the over because I think Tampa could score like 35 by themselves, maybe even 40. Yeah, I don't hate your thinking there, John. 
uh, especially when you got Feeney at center, right? So I expect a lot of pressure up the middle, which is not going to be good for Zach because we all know that quarterback's worst enemy is pressure right up the gut. Uh, I expect the the rest of the offensive line should play pretty solid. You know, should have LVT back this week, which means we don't have to see Van Roten again. But uh, Tampa's defense is solid, and like you said, Ronald Jones is probably just going to go off because we're banged up. Especially if Bryce Hall doesn't play, it, it, if Bryce Hall doesn't play, it's going to be a long day in my opinion. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay to cover the 13 and a half. 13 and a half. Where'd you get 13 and a half? 12 and a half. Twelve and a half. Where did I get that? I don't know where I got that from, but that's that's what I had. But it, you're you're correct. It's twelve and a half. Alrighty then. So, um, yeah. Uh, I guess we got to take some other games here. I mean, it's going to be an interesting game, all in all, uh, because you do want to see if you know how does Zach Wilson fare in this game here. Hook does Elijah Moore play? We don't know. We still don't have an answer to that question. He's dealing with a quad injury, which he would be eligible to return from, but he's also dealing with COVID, so don't know if he's healthy there yet. Frank, anything else on this game that you want to note or talk about? Not yet. Well, I don't I don't think so, right? Like, I would like to see Zach start to stack games. I think that's the only thing, right? Like, we've yet to really see him – like he'll have a good half or a good game, and then the next week he'll revert back to things mm-hmm. that he was doing. Like I, I want to start – I think we're at the point of the season where he needs to start stacking them. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. He's got to start stacking these games here and being able to string some few games together, right? And I, and I, I bring up Sam Darnold often and the stretch that he had in, 20, in 2018 at the end of the 2018 season – like where you felt really good about Sam Darnold going into that year because you felt that, you know, you felt really good about Sam Darnold going into 2019 because you felt like, okay, well, he showed us something here at the end of the season. All we got to do is hire the right head coach and the right offensive coordinator, and it, it'll it'll be, you know, heads up from there. So, um, or wheels up from there, rather. I, I'm, again, curious to see what happens here with um, – with Zach Wilson down this stretch here, these last two games against Tampa Bay and Buffalo. So um, that being said, Frank, last two weeks I used Arizona in my in my lock picks. The first week it wasn't great because I picked them, but the last week I picked against them, and it was perfect. It worked out great. So, Frank, where are you going this week? I'm going to be a gentleman and let you go first, my buddy. I think I went first last week, no? That's okay. I like being the gentleman on this podcast. No, there's no gentlemen. There's just us. So let's just go. All right. <laughs> I, got the, I got the Cardinals at plus five over the Cowboys. Oh, okay. Were you trying to see if I would take the Cardinals? No, I was going to see if you would take the Cowboys so we could go head-to-head this week. Mm, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. 
Um, what I will do, however, is mm, I'm gonna take Detroit to cover seven against Seattle. Can't believe I just did that, but I'm doing it. Actually, no, I'm changing it, changing it. Cleveland, minus three and a half over Pittsburgh. Can't stop the run. Have fun trying to tackle Nick Chubb. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all we got here, Frank and everybody else. So, everyone, we we definitely love and appreciate y'all. We hope you have a we hope you had a wonderful Christmas and and happy holidays. We hope you have a wonderful New Year because uh, we will next time we'll talk to you. It'll be twenty twenty two. So, that being said, y'all have a good one. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and we're out of here. Peace. Peace.